that kind of livened up the day. Anyway, nice to see you. See you tomorrow. Anthony's back with you tomorrow on LBC 97.3. Loads of stories in the papers, including the, the story about pensioners going to prison is not in the papers. And you may be thinking to yourself, if you are a pensioner, I don't want to go to prison. You might, after I've told you this story, you might be thinking, oh, seems like quite a nice little uh, life. Uh, thank you, incidentally, for all your texts and your emails. And, uh, God, loads and loads. Birthdays we've got to celebrate later on. Uh, we've got the papers. We take all your texts and emails. 84850 uk, which is very nice. Um, I did predict yesterday, I remember saying at the, uh, at the end of the show and halfway through what was going to happen over at Sky Sport after Andy Gray was, uh, was kicked out and Richard Keyes, I'd love to know what sort of money he was on. I did ask somebody in the business yesterday, I said, are you sure that Andy Gray would have been on 1.7 million? And they said, absolutely, he could have been the Everton manager, in which case his salary could have been uh, more than twice that. So they kept offering the money. And he's been doing it for 20 years. And it's been the same culture down there. Now they have a, a new managing director of the sport. And he quite clearly decided, because I've spoken yesterday, I thought I'd better just check on this, because I know a few people who work up at Sky... And they work in the sports department. <laughs> and I've said, what's it like up there? And they said they, they were not liked. They were not liked people. And I went, oh, right. I said, but is it... They said the language was atrocious. The way that people were, were sort of treated was just unbelievable. So there'll be nobody, I'm afraid, shedding a tear over this. And in fact, if you read all the papers today, they've now got Richard Keyes. There's a, another new tape showing him teasing a football ace about romps with a girlfriend. You'll have to read the papers to discover who it is. It's not his wife, but uh, but somebody else. And uh, and then Graham Souness appears to kick keys to stop him taunting Jamie Redknapp over a pretty ex-lover. And so, I mean, it's just it's. I'm, I'm not saying it's it's surprising, because I firmly believe that this goes on all the time. I firmly believe that you could go through anywhere. I firmly believe that you could go through every organisation and find sexist talk. I, I just absolutely would guarantee. It doesn't matter whether it's in a shop. I mean, I, I mean, it, it was in that supermarket. Do you remember in Chiswick High Road, where one of the men came and pinched the woman as he went past her? Like, ooh, and she went, ooh. And I went, that's an assault. And she went, oh, do you think so? And she was quite genuine. She didn't think it was an assault. But it was absolutely an assault from a man who you look at him and you think, you don't want to encourage that. You know, it'd be like me. If I go up behind, behind the producer and sort of just pinch her bottom, or, I know, she's, she's feeling quite queasy at the moment. But if, if I did that, just supposing I was a single person, <coughs> sorry, and, uh, and I was sort of interested, which I'm not, and I go up behind her and pinch her bottom, and she'll go, don't, what are you doing? And I'd go, come on. I mean, she'd turn around and give me a slap, and I'd be going, come on, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? It's a bit of fun. And she'd be going, you know... No, it's not. I said, but come on, we get on really well together. Come on, let's go out. Come on. No! I turned on uh, one of my DVDs the other night. I gently stroked it and said, I love you. And uh, oh, it's an old one, I know. And I was watching, uh, is it Prime Suspect? Pr- Prime, Prime Witness, sorry. Silent, silent Witness with Amanda Burton. And, and I loved... Amanda Burton. I didn't like the other ones. I know she's a bit iffy next door. And at one point, she's got a bloke round to her house who is, um, I think he must be, oh, he's a journalist. He's, he's a journalist. And they're, they're sort of, you know, just chatting away over a meal and they have a bottle of wine and it's all very, very amiable. And then he comes on to her and she goes, what are you doing? 
And he goes, come on. He said, I can tell you're making eyes at me. You're doing... And she's going, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And so, consequently, she then has to force him up. And it's an attempted rape. And what happens is she goes to court and, they, because it's a government thing, they, they try and knock her back by saying, oh, so you, your, your judgment was impaired because on this particular night you went to do this particular uh, autopsy, you've just been the subject of an attempted rape. And she said, yes, but it did not cloud my judgment. And it's this unwarranted attention. But, as I say, if you turn on the television, uh, you'll see it all the time. They even say it in the Daily Mail today. So why is it all right for women to be sexist about men? It goes on all the time. I mean, if, if you've got... I mean, you don't... Sit, I mean, every single paper has done it today. The Daily Star, the Mirror, the Sun, they're talking about what the girls are wearing last night at the National Television Awards. They're going, oh, look at that, and she's... You know, and everybody's a bit busted. And you think, that's sexist. It's generally written by blokes who sit there dribbling. You know, it's just... It goes on all the time. You know, and it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. But Sky have decided, they had to, that it had to be stopped, and it had to be stopped very quickly. James is going up there today, aren't you, James? I, well, I'm going up there very quietly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure uh, how long I'll be able to. Uh, I'll have to have a chat to aim, and our conversations in commercial breaks are going to have to cease. Yeah. Uh, it's a difficult time in which we live, I have to tell you. Tell that Amanda to keep her lurid thoughts to herself when I call in, will you? Oh, she's still doing those. Yes. Actually, the yes. funny thing is, you are absolutely right. It's the, it's the conversations that people have off mic. The argument being, you're still at work, so consequently, it's still work time. So anything you say... Unfortunately, I thought it was a matter of time before keys went. I know people who've worked with both of them, and they say they're not pleasant. Whether, whether they're sexist or not was, was not at question. It's the fact that the language and the way that they treat people was not acceptable. Well, I, I don't know either, so I can't comment. But I think, uh, leaving those two guys aside for a moment, I, I think we've got ourselves into a situation... Listen, I think... Harassing somebody and continually trying uh, to belittle them with your language. A guy or a girl. I've seen women do this to other women. I've seen men do it to other men. But, but it's unusual. Generally, the sort of banter, the sort of banter that you and I would engage in in the office yeah. could offend some people. Yeah. And I, I mean, are we now going to have to say, I'll come in and I'll see you there? Good morning, Steve. Good morning, James. Instead of coming in and me calling you, you... Well, never mind. But you're supposed to say good morning to everybody, because if you don't, somebody will go, wait a minute, you went round the table and you didn't say good morning to me, therefore you're picking on me, and I'm going to take you to court over it. Well, we're living in a very dangerous time, and I'm wondering whether it's time for us to walk off into the sunset. Well, it has changed. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough and ugly enough to remember when you could, if, if you know, it, it didn't do any harm to put your arms around somebody at work and to go out and have a few drinks. Yeah, well, you can stop doing that to me every time you see me as well, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, but come on, you liked it. You liked it. You liked the uh, attention. Now, you see, that's the problem we have. People misreading the signs. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, then, but then how do you know what the... I mean, some people are just not good at reading signs. OK, so here's, here's, a, here's a little uh, scenario for you. Um, lad comes into work, very tight trousers on, very smartly dressed, you know, very pleasant. Uh, a girl comes into work wearing... Uh, uh, you know, at the, at the moment, it's, it's trendy, is it not, to wear 
hot pants, what we used to call hot pants, shorts, over tights. Not around this sexy. office, it's not. <laughs> well, no, I know, not around this. But I mean, let's face it, look at the well, you wouldn't want to see that, would you know? Um, you you see, that's sexist. Now, that's a very good point. Yeah. Because that, that is a joke, not really supposed to be offensive. God, if, if we're going to have to watch what we say, you better come off the air now. Yes. Yes. I mean, I mean, somebody said to me upstairs, they said, we, we, we would all be out on our ear if every single private conversation that we had, be it on air or off air, was able to be heard by people. I, I think myself it would make a very good podcast, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I just think if you could sell it, some of the conversations you could hear off air are actually funnier than the ones on air. Well, do you, do you remember that programme, Drop the Dead Donkey? Yes. That's far from the truth, of course. Yeah, um, exactly. but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, put a microphone in our office for a couple of days, so you've got a sitcom. But I'm glad somebody said that to you, because somebody said to me, seriously, well, I'm so glad this has come out now, because some of you really have got to mend your ways. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is the kind... I mean, the trouble is, I'm not in the office to see anybody. The only person I ever see is little her next door. And frankly, we're more like brother and sister, or sisters. And then there's a few other people. And I, I don't see anybody. I only see you occasionally, and that's it. You can't refer to her as little her, by the way. Oh, can't you? Oh, no, that's heightist. That's... Yes. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you... That there actually isn't really a lot that you can say to somebody. What you have to say is, listen, I'm, I hope I'm not being offensive when I tell you I think you're very attractive. I'm not coming on to you. I don't want to go out and pick out curtains. I don't want to drink with you. Uh, but I just want to say that I think you look very nice today. You know, there was I'll, I'll an advert running for a deodorant where a guy ran up to a woman on the escalator and yes. gave her a bunch of flowers. Yes. Can't, can't do that. No, well, I mean, to be honest with you, you can't because he didn't pay the right price for the flowers. He just goes up, picks up a bunch of flowers and shoves a blue note in a hand. Well, they were six fifty. I know because I saw the sign there. The man should have been pursued by the police. James, we have to leave it there. Let us know how you get on today. Uh, I will. See because you. I tell you the one thing, Eamon Holmes does do a lot of the innuendo and a little, ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah, and all that kind of stuff when he's doing other programmes. A little bit difficult on Sky, but when he's doing this morning, there's a lot of, you know, bosomy stuff coming out. Yes, yeah, well, there's a lot of, uh, what was it they were in trouble for the other day? Waxing a man's bottom. You can't have that sort of thing well, going on. Well, to be honest with you, they did that on this morning. James, thank you for that. We'll see you later. There he goes. Yeah, they, on this morning, and people wrote in and complained that it wasn't on long enough, and it was Louis Spence, you'd have liked it, they had three men on there having their bottoms waxed and they did it live on television. And this morning's argument was, I mean, come on, we're in the year 2010. It goes on all the time. So we're showing it. They've even shown you testicular cancer. I remember Judy Finnegan sitting there sort of trying to avert her eyes and thus making light of it. Because, to be honest with you, a man standing there naked just looks ridiculous. You know, it doesn't matter who they are, they just look silly. And so they do these programmes, and they do it to get an audience. You don't... I mean, don't you think that the most of the women who watch this morning would quite like to see men being waxed, because the, the argument is, now you know what we go through, because it hurts. Whether you should have had Louis Spence doing it, a known homosexual with heterosexual men on there, is that sexist? I don't know. Was it done to shock people? Probably not. You know, the, the men lying down didn't have to do it, but if they didn't, they wouldn't have got the gig, so they wouldn't have got their 350 quid or whatever it paid. So, uh, women can be just as sexist, and for, for that, look no further, as we said yesterday, than loose women. 
Colleen Nolan, who sits there and dribbles over any man who happens to get there, even though she's constantly telling us how in love with Ray she is, and constantly does filth sexist jokes, but that's her for you. The only girl in the group who didn't actually sing on any of the hits. But it's uh, never left, uh, never let it stop her making a, a good career. But there's loads of uh, gorgeous bits of totty in the paper today, boys and girls, and it's all there thrusting and chesting, and it's, it's, it's always been like that. From Marilyn Monroe, it's not going to change, but it's stopped at Sky. <laughs> These are the headlines. Labour peer Lord Prescott says he has little confidence in the Met Police as they begin a new investigation into alleged phone hacking at the News of the World. Scotland Yard has reopened the case after it received what it called significant new information. Football commentator Richard Keyes has quit a day after his former colleague Andy Gray was sacked over the sexism row. His departure comes hours after he warned dark forces were at work behind the scenes. And we find out later about plans to completely overhaul the school system in England. The focus will be on boosting standards and improving behaviour. Let's have a check on the roads for you. Jay Louise. Podcasts. Go to lbc.co.uk slash podcasts. Ooh, you are looking hot this morning, aren't you? Hut, 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 hut. There you are, your little pink nighty. Hello. Anyway, nice to be coming. Not that I think pink nighties. Anyway, Brian, if you want to take it off now, that's fine. Um, Steve Allen's uh, early morning, we don't do sexist kind of thing. Well, we just don't, actually. We don't do that kind of thing at all. I'm not saying that we don't flirt. I'm not saying that we don't flirt. We flirt all the time. I mean, I flirt with everybody. I couldn't care less who it is. I flirt with anybody. At my age, you're grateful to actually get some sort of attention. The funny thing is, nobody ever flirts with me. Nobody ever goes, hey, you're looking hot this morning. Nobody ever does that. I could have been in the business 500 years. No, I don't want you to flirt with me, Amanda. Kind of defeats the object, doesn't it, really? I mean, you are the object of fun. I don't want to be a sex object in your mind. You know, <laughs> there's a complete difference. And, uh, oh, t- two things I've got to mention. Well, actually, probably about four things. Or probably six, actually. Uh, one of them is, if you go to the LBC website, we've got a new day-in-the-life photo spread. OK? All the pictures of the day at LBC. From me arriving in the morning, to the news desk, to the people upstairs. It's even got some of the sales team on there. Oh, some hot totty up there, let me tell you. Oh, far more hot totty upstairs and downstairs. But anyway, it's another story. Uh, I'm not saying they're unattractive on our floor, but I've seen better. Yeah, I am, actually. And, uh, right, so if you go to the LBC website, go on, do it now. Do it now. LBC.co.uk. And it's got the day in the life picture. So it starts with me looking, strangely enough, a bit like James Whale with my little hat on. But I quite like it. It keeps me warm. And Elaine as well, who looks after all my washing and ironing now. Uh, so she can't. I've, I've passed people in the street with my hat on. I go hello, and they go hello. They've got no idea it's me. I obviously look completely different, like in disguise. Now I recommended earlier on. Oh, oh, sorry. I'll, I'll have to tell you tomorrow because Amanda's got to do something today. So I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow uh, some news. Okay. Uh, but I did recommend at the beginning of the program that we put pensioners in prison, and many of you are a little bit shocked by this. You know, I don't know what you're advocating, Steve. People have been been through the war and everything else. And uh, why do you want to put them in prison? And I'll tell you quite quite simply, what I want to do, I want to turn it around. And uh, Diane sent this one to me. If we put the pensioners in prison and all the criminals in a nursing home, OK, getting, getting my drift on this one, that way the pensioners get access to showers, hobbies, walks. They get unlimited free prescriptions, dental and medical treatment, wheelchairs. They receive money. Instead of having to pay it out, they get constant video monitoring, so it can be helped instantly if you fall over or need assistance. Bedding is washed twice a week. All your clothes are ironed and returned. Somebody checks on you every 20 minutes. They bring meals and snacks to your cell. You can have family visits in a suite, specially built. 
You don't need to go anywhere at all. You've got a library, a weight room, spiritual counselling, pool, education, clothing, shoes, slippers, pyjamas and legal aid, all free on request. Private secure rooms for everybody. Plus, each senior will have a PC, a TV, a radio and daily phone calls. There's a board of directors to hear your complaints and the guards have a code of conduct that is strictly adhered to. Uh, the criminals get cold food, left all alone, unsupervised, lights off at 8pm, showers once a week, live in a very tiny room and pay £900 a month and have no hope of ever getting out. Justice for all, I say. So let's, let's push for pensioners in prison. So if you're a pensioner and you think, oh, well, you know, Steve, I'll, I want to go to prison like that. And go out, smash a window, steal a load of stuff, and they go, I, I want to go where Steve Allen said I can get three meals a day and have a computer. And you get monitored. And that's, that's what it is. It's as simple as that. It is as simple as that. And to be honest with you, I'm not surprised people become criminals. You don't have to do anything. And they become institutionalised. And people then... My, my, my mother used to visit a woman in Broadmoor years ago, I remember telling you. And uh, she was institutionalised. And why? She had a baby out of wedlock. Now, years and years ago, there'll be many of you old enough to remember, if you had a child... Now, of course, it's the norm. Everybody gets themselves up the duff so they get the free house and everything else. Parents do absolutely nothing at all. So, in those days, if you had a baby out of wedlock, people took you to court. And she was... She was... She was institutionalised. And if you're living in Broadmoor with all these people wandering around, there were lots of single mothers put in there. If only it happened now. But anyway. And uh, so that... Well, I mean, it just seems ridiculous that nowadays... It is very sexist, but to be honest with you... <laughs> I don't care today, because a lot of people intentionally... I, mean, I wouldn't mind, you know, we do have things called condoms, hello, contraception. You know, people intentionally get themselves pregnant, and they turn up on the telly and you go, who's the father? Oh, I don't know. Well, who do you think it is? Oh, I don't know. And so they bring on some poor spotty herbert who sits there, and they go, do you think you're the father? And you go, oh, oh. And you think, oh, God, it's just awful. But in those days, people got put in Broadmoor. So my mum used to visit. This woman could never, ever have left Broadmoor. Because she became institutionalised. She got used to being, you know, behind the, the walls. In fact, a friend of mine was going to do a documentary on Broadmoor. I think you'll probably find it very, very interesting. We do them on, and Jan Moyer today in the mail must have listened to this programme yesterday. She talks about the big fat gypsy wedding again and says again, since when is it culture to have spray tans? Since when is it culture to put little girls in little crop tops and have them gerating like Beyonce and sexualising them and that kind of stuff? And she said, and why has nobody ever asked the £500,000 question, where do you get the money from? She said, nobody asks because it's politically incorrect. She said, and then you get some of these people saying, it's our heritage. And she says, what, to move on to land and start building... And then they, and then in the next breath, she says, which I hadn't thought about, they said, we don't marry out of the community. We don't do this. We don't let our children mix with, with other people. Well, so, in other words, they want all the, all the benefits and they just don't want to contribute. So she raises some very good points. Uh, in front of the Daily Star this morning, woo, Kerry Katona looking like Kerry Katona, unfortunately. Even she must be bored with the look, I'm afraid. Uh, all over for the Sky Man. And uh, Jeremy Clarkson has defied critics to be named a top TV presenter in Australia. Nobody cares about Australia, do they? Nobody cares about Australia. But uh, it's over there. And um, here they were, Richard Keyes, and some of the things he says about this woman. I'd never heard this particular expression. I won't repeat it to you, but it's an expression they used in front of uh, Rude Gullet, Jamie Redknapp and Graham Sunas. And it's an ex-girlfriend of Jamie Redknapp's, and he says this this line, which I'd never heard of before, and, and then they tell you what it means, and you think, oh, dear. Perhaps, perhaps old men talk about this. Perhaps they talk about it. 
Not again, they won't. Um, here we have, at the, uh, at the Television Awards, George Sampson. I don't know what you were doing there, love. You're not on television. What we, I mean, what are you doing, George? Then they have the two girls out of uh, Coronation Street. Alicia Dixon. What is it? Is it a competition on one of the coldest nights of the year to sort of wear as little as possible? You know, the more boob you're showing, you know, the better it is for everybody. And so they don't photograph any of the blokes. They just photograph the women. I could understand it if the editor of the Daily Star was a woman, but it's not. And then you've got, uh, with the old tramp stamp on the back, Cheryl, wearing... It looks a cross between a, a smart outfit from the front and a bondage outfit from the back. It really it's a very odd sort of thing. And then we've got Holly Willabooby and uh, Tess Daly wearing somebody else's hair. Uh, Amy Childs. What a child she is. Thank God they didn't allow her to speak again. And uh, on the same night, apparently over the other side of town, loved-up Peter Andre has finally found his Mrs Wright. Still not holding hands, so it's it's a bit tentative, this one. Ellen is the girl for me, goes uh, goes Pete. And we know she is Peetsykins. It's just, it's just so sweet to see her wearing what can only be described as sort of loosely bunched up plastic. And he says here, well, the, the, the reporter says the singer couldn't keep his hands off the Spanish senorita. No, he looks like he's trying to hold her upright. And uh, that's it. Uh, the smitten star said, the right one comes along if you're patient. Oh, don't worry. I should imagine when you are a patient, uh, you probably will find the right one. It'll be a nurse. But um, they have met each, other fam- each other's families. And uh, Ellen, who was engaged to Frank Lampart, uh, denied claims that she and Pete were moving in together. So she's twittered about it, knowing it'll be read. And she goes here, it's flattering how people have the time to write things about us. I know, dear. I mean, they're trying to fill column inches. And frankly, you're the biggest waste of space we've ever seen. So it kind of makes sense to put you in there. She says, we had an amazing night. Uh, don't worry, you won't miss it if you're an OK fan, because no doubt the NAF pictures will be in the paper, including the fact that Jonathan Ross turned up. Now he's not working officially, you know, at the Beeb, and he's over at ITV. He has to turn up to everything, uh, because he's also got a lesbian daughter, and, of course, that's kind of a big thing now. Because you remember that... Who was that? What was that programme on the television where somebody went, oh, tell... Oh, it was in Ab Fab. Oh, tell me you're a lesbian, she said. Tell me. Morning. Kevin uh, says, I really enjoy your radio station, but I was just wondering about something. What is a car boot sale? You know, you know, Wellington boots that you put... Cars have got them over here as well. We have them for the snow and the rain. I don't know why they call, they call them a car boot, because technically you used to put all your old rubbish in the boot of your car, lift the boot up, and then people would have a look round at what you had to sell. Nowadays, people set out trestle tables. It's, it's a garage sale, for want of a better description. It's a, it's a rummage sale. It's the kind of thing where you see kids standing at the end of the drive, they've got a little table, all their old toys on, and they're, and they're doing that. that that's, what a, that's what a car boot sale is. <sighs> oh, dear. Paul in Lower Sunbury. Uh, in answer to the first question, yes, he started his chemotherapy. He said, "Nord's going well. The hair's falling out, but I'm keeping strong." Listen, I think hair falling out is really cool. So don't don't worry about hair falling out. It's it's really not not a problem at all. You remember, uh, Paul was diagnosed with cancer, and so as part of the uh, the treatment, you've got to have chemo. And I said, "Listen, don't worry about it. It's just chemo. It's a bit of a pain when your hair starts falling out." But listen, you can wear. I wear a hat. I'll wear a hat, and nobody's ever commented on me at all, so it's good. He said, with the chemo, my energy is low. But that doesn't... You don't listen. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. You only have to lie there and smile to yourself every so often. He says, I can't wait for the next show so I can come for my first show and look forward to seeing you in Kingston again. 
Well, actually, I'm going to have details about the show. Because, yes, there is one. And and the date is... I t- I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it for a little bit, actually. So I'm going to make you wait for that one. He says, it's a joy being kept alive each day. And hello to everybody, all the usual listeners. He says, you and the team make my morning. Well, here's part of that team. Nathan, attractive boy, Morley. Morning, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Steve. Oh, dear, honestly. I don't know what the weather's like over there, but over here, it's we, we, we seem to be back into the throes of winter. Oh, it's dreadful. In fact, it's been thundering and lightning all night. It's tipping it down with rain. Oh. Grey skies. I can't even take the little boy out because he takes, he sticks his nose out the door and runs back in. <laughs> Don't blame <laughs> it's, him. It's not very pleasant, I'm afraid. No. It's funny, though, actually. I mean, I remember years ago when I, saw, I woke up in the early hours of the morning and the rain was coming down. And there's something quite pleasant about rain. You know when it rains and you look out mm. and you think, my God, it's a lot of rain. So sorry, she's just taking her handcuffs off in the studio, <laughs> if you heard that noise. You have somebody with you. We, um, we always chain her to the wall at the beginning of the programme and then leave her there <laughs> for the duration. <laughs> it's God, very nice sexist. to be co- co- cosy in bed listening to the rain, yeah. but when you're getting up and you're getting ready for work and, and to go out, uh, it, it's very unpleasant. Uh, I mean, yeah. here as well, it's so heavy and freezing, the rain. Did you have snow? I mean, I can't remember if you have snow. Yeah, we've got snow up in the mountains at the moment, actually. No, in the past few days, uh, suddenly, uh, winter has arrived, and yes. in the in the Trodos Mountains we had, oh, I think uh, four or five inches of snow over the weekend. Oh. So when it's snowy on the mountains, the temperature drops right across the country. It has been very chilly, actually, and yeah. we had the uh, we've had real the real seasonal average, which uh, for most people, as I've said before, they don't have very good central heating systems, if any. So it can be a very bitter experience for winter yes. here. Well, just just like my brother's place. I mean, Christmas time, it was so blooming cold, we could have sat there with coats on. Yeah, well, there are people who do that. There are yeah. people who do that, you know. I used to. Um, I used to actually climb into bed with my dressing gown on because it was so <laughs> cold and I didn't have the money to put in the meter to turn the fire on. No, no, I know that feeling. I know yeah, that we've feeling. We've all been there, haven't we? we we've all, oh, you yeah. know, nobody was born with a silver spoon in their mouth. We've had to work for everything that we've got. Yeah, I remember living in it. Funny enough, it's always the, the warmer countries which are, are coldest at this time of the year. When I was in Israel, yeah. like, it must have been about 20 years ago, living in Tel Aviv, and the, the, in the winter time, because this apartment was, it didn't have central heat, it was freezing. Mm. Were I you mean, floating really about on a boat? cold. I used to go to bed to keep warm. Yeah, but we, we, did you used to float around on a boat out there in Israel? Oh, this was after that. This oh, right, was after, after that, that, you know, because <laughs> uh, I went back to work for a, uh, another channel. Uh, and I was living in a town just on the outskirts of Tel Aviv, and I just remember the winter of, I, I can't remember, the winter 94, I think it was, and it was just horrible, just mm. horrible. And then suddenly in the Middle East, um, the winter ends almost overnight, mm. and the glorious sunshine started, and, and you know, the floors warm up. And that's the great thing about this part of the world. The winter literally disappears, yes. you know, over one single night. And uh, hopefully that's going to happen here soon, because I'm getting a little bit knocked with this weather. Yeah, I remember going to Grand Canary some years ago. Disastrous holiday, complete disaster. And the weather turned, and it rained, and it was cold. And when you go from somewhere that is normally very hot, and it's all very lovely, and then it goes freezing, by God, it was... I, I, I spent all the time in bed, and even then I was too cold. <laughs> it was horrible, because nobody's got any central heating. They just don't... They don't plan for it. 
No, they don't, and it's a thoroughly miserable experience. Yes, and there are many people who book holidays and come out to places like this, yeah. and they get here and they don't realise that when when we have rain, it's torrential rain. Yeah. It's not the kind of light, fluffy rain you see in Britain. <laughs> the, no, I mean, it's excuse like me, we don't have light, thing. fluffy rain. <laughs> you know, your woman's rain. What, gay rain. In... <laughs> <laughs> We've got a gay I mean, rain. This is, this is hard, man. This is this is Bruce Willis rain we get here. Yes, I have uh, seen. Mind you, I've seen snow like that. They did a thing on the telly the other day, one of these survival programmes, where the, I was explaining I couldn't remember if it was Bear Grylls or somebody else, but when the snow came down, it came down in sheets. So, in other yeah. words, in, in ten minutes, it can cover the car. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, really amazing, and it's, it's very pretty, provided you're inside looking out, not outside, desperately trying to get in to keep warm. <laughs> but I, no, I, I would love to live in a very cold country and just have log fires. Oh, well, Finland's the place for you, then. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Denmark, or I've one of those... Finland, uh, bit, well, up into the Arctic Circle, we went. Yes, I know, I it know. Is and, cold. And I was amazed they let you back on the fly. Well, I was amazed. <laughs> Do you know, to be honest with you, I seriously thought at one point, I thought, you know, if I had loads and loads of money, I would buy the company that did it, and I would go and live out there for sort of four months of the year, because I thought I could adapt to it really well. And it'd be so nice to see sort of English holidaymakers, but only on a temporary basis. You don't <laughs> want to see them all the time or live them, like in Iron Apa. And you'd yeah, have them coming yeah, out well, there. They'd only uh, be there for four days. Well, Iron Apa is a... Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't compare it to Latterplan, to have to be honest with no. you. Uh, it's, uh, there was a programme they were showing on television the other day, somebody was telling me. Yes. About Iron Apa, about yes. British tourists. And I just... I, to be honest with you, I think this is kind of representation from maybe ten years ago. I think programme makers are so desperate... They're actually creating it themselves now, yeah. because um, I don't know if you saw it, uh, and I only heard about it. It's you know, the yobbish British tourists, Ian Apper, Ian Apper, all that sort of yes, thing, yeah. and that 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 really is a bit of a memory because uh, it's now a family resort, and there's no surprise it's made by one of those um, digital channels within our great broadcasting corporation, which seems to have run out of ideas. Yes, that'll be BBC <laughs> you know, Three, I believe, who made the programme. BBC Three, I think, made the programme. Yes, I'm wondering why the taxpayers have to fund this kind of rubbish, to be honest. Well, well luckily, the BBC are, are closing down left, right and centre. Not as many as they're, they're telling you they are. I think they're actually closing down some of their foreign language, so I think Albanian, yeah. Serbian and a few other things are out. Well, I know you all missed the Albanian service. I was, I I was so looking forward to it. I know, So looking I know. forward to it. I never quite got round to it, probably... I just kept wondering, what would be the point of having an Albanian radio station broadcasting from here? Why not have an Albanian <laughs> radio station in Albania? Well, they broadcasted so many languages, the BBC. Yes, yes. And, and I'm not quite sure how necessary that is anymore in this global age. I think where, it's an old thing that uh, harks back 20, 30 years ago. Well, look, I mean, the Albanians, they have their own radio channels now, don't they? And, and you know, it's just our our version of freedom and free speech being mm. beamed into different territories at the taxpayers' expense. Yes. I'm not sure it's relevant. Other European states don't have these great, big, multilingual broadcasting mm. services with, you know, 50 languages. Yes. Is it really necessary? Hello, Moscow. Yeah, no. it's all of that. And, and then on the other side of the corporation, they're making programmes about guys getting their winkles out in Ionatha whilst drunk. Yes, and it's... you know, the worst <laughs> thing was about that, it just stereo... <laughs> typified blokes going away on a blokey holiday because they were 18. Three of the blokes fell out and didn't talk to each other. And one spent most of his time just chatting up what can only be described as the girls with easy stamped over their forehead. And people just <laughs> wanted to get drunk. And their idea yeah. of getting drunk is, I mean, really drunk. Whereas the rest of us, might, I might go out with, with a producer, you know, once, once a year. 
keep yeah. her mean eyes. Is she back things. on the sauce, is she? Well, she, only occasionally, but when she no, gets no. going, I mean, God, blimey, I tell you, she can drink me under the table. No, no. I mean, no, I'm, no. I'm still doing the first one with an umbrella in it, and she's already <laughs> done the monkey hanging over the glass, <laughs> she's done the slow, comfortable up against the... She's done all of that business. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm still yeah. doing, you know, I'll just have a, a small spritzer, please, if you don't mind. Well, I think you've always had producers who who, 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 who like a tipple. I mean, I remember Johnny as well. Mm, oh, uh, exactly. I, mean, I mean, he used to have beer with his cornflakes. Yes, port it over. Uh, Pause it over. It, but you really? see, the funny thing is, we all did it, but now it just seems, I suppose because we've got a bit older, when you see somebody else doing it, and they're 18, 19, it just seems a bit dated. And, and yet, we did it in the same way. I'd like to say I never did. You sort of I made up for it that. since. <laughs> <laughs> I saved it until midlife. <laughs> and boy, did you go for it! <laughs> yeah. Look, there's a lot of things you make up for yes. in your thirties. Yeah, and. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the fact that I abstained <laughs> during my 20s. <laughs> but then again, uh, saying that, we would, uh, from the 1st of January, I gave up smoking. And, and to everyone else who did, because I know lots of people did, yeah. I'm, still, I'm still off the, off the cigarettes. And uh, yeah. I've, uh, going through that middle symptom, you know, where you, your body's healing itself. Yeah. So you actually feel worse for the moment. But it was funny, I, was, I, I was thinking about you the other day, and I thought to myself, if you were in this country, would we be friends? And I thought, no, we wouldn't. And, uh... <laughs> 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 Why on earth did you think that? I have no idea. I was lying in bed, and I was trying to think of things to make me go to sleep, and you came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> Some people count sheep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I yes. have images of you standing there with your hat on. Yeah. And I'm yeah. out for the counts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's not so much you thinking of me, you know, as you're trying to doze off. The, 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 the fact is, if I was there, would we be friends? Yeah, yeah. That, that concerns me. Yes. Because I'm absolutely sure we wouldn't. No, we wouldn't. You're definitely not. not. <laughs> no, definitely not. Not a cat in Hades chance, I'm afraid. But probably no. even if I was there in the building, do this piece from different studios. Absolutely. Definitely not. No, it would just be purely for the radio. It wouldn't be anything else. Because <laughs> I, I, I think you're kid. mad as a brush, you see. Mum, I'm the most normal person around here. Honestly. That doesn't say much for the island, does it? That is so worrying. Not really, no. But bearing no. in mind the political chaos. Yes. <laughs> They were doing a thing the other day, Stelios was doing something on the television, where he's trying to bridge the divide between Turkish Cypriots and the other Cypriots, the Greek yes. Cypriots. And because there's always been, I think, since the 70s, this big divide. Well, yeah, Nobody yeah, seems yeah. to like anybody at all. And he, he thought he was going to try and bridge the, the gap for people. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult, isn't it? Well, I mean, you know, the political situation here is, uh, uh, there's not been much movement in 36 years, so a lot of old wounds still open, the Cyprus talks are still going on. Yeah. In fact, the, 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 the leaders met the UN Secretary-General yesterday, I mean, it's a very sluggish, slow process, and I, I don't think it's a question of somebody coming in and suddenly healing it. No. I, and I, I shouldn't wonder that ten years down the road we're still in the same position here. Absolutely. But. I must mention just finally and briefly for you that mm. your favourite weather girl, Lucy uh, Verisami, yeah. Uh, was yeah. on the television the other day, and it's yeah. probably a bit sexist to say, but she was standing in front of the weather map, and two of the big arrows were pointing to her very warm front. <laughs> and so it was pointed out to her by the presenters, <laughs> and so she turned round, and it then pointed to her bottom. <laughs> and it's oh, very bless. funny. So here she is. So well, you can get, get pictures in the Daily Star and a few other papers. Look. Uh, well, she's not on Sky News anymore. She's on um, English TV, on uh, the... the 
ITV, isn't yes, she? Yes, so, she is, yes. So we don't see Lucy Verisami anymore. No, you don't see very much of her. But mind you, no, you don't but... see many sports people on Sky anymore either, so... There don't seem to be many people on Sky There's, anymore. They, they seem to be dropping like flies at the moment, <laughs> and I suspect before the end of the week, they'll be... So, I mean, at the moment, we're into phone hacking and everything else, and it's just... The whole thing has all gone a bit pear-shaped, I'm afraid. It's all I going know, very strange. I know, so I will I say to you, it's been lovely, as always... <laughs> Thank you, and it's been super talking to you as well. Super I'm well, obviously a little bit disturbed about the friendship issue, but we'll we'll I'll, no, we'll get through it. Seriously, listen, I'll I'll phone you after the program. I won't. We need to work on this, I think. Yes, <laughs> yeah, just you again. <laughs> Have Take a care, lovely week. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Ta-ra. There he is, Nathan Morley, my man in Cyprus. I think he's in the Greek bit. I can't remember actually, but Stelios is definitely trying to bring the two sides together. But as Nathan says, it's like banging your head against a wall. I'm afraid. Fourteen to six. <laughs> These are the headlines. Scotland Yard are facing mounting criticism of its handling of allegations of phone hacking at the News of the World. Met Police have begun a fresh inquiry into the allegations. Labour peer Lord Prescott has called for a judicial review into the Met's handling of the case so far. The Education Secretary, Michael Gove, will today announce a major overhaul of the school system in England. New measures will focus on boosting standards and improving behaviour. And Richard Keyes is adjusting to life after Sky Sports this morning after becoming the second casualty of the football sexism row. The presenter resigned yesterday after his colleague Andy Gray was sacked on Tuesday. Let's have a check on the roads for you, shall we? Get you there nice and quick this morning, hopefully with a smile on your face. Jay Louise. Thank you very much. Biggest conversation with me, James O'Brien, this morning from 10. Morning, everybody. Uh, I have a, a very sad email from somebody who says, I'm in trouble with the wife. We were in bed and she asked what I would like to most do with her body. Apparently, identify it wasn't the right answer. <laughs> the trouble is, I think, ah, oh, for you, a mad as brush. You'd have to be at this time of the morning. We need ten to six. The entire country is waking up. We're always the last in London. You know why? Because we can go out any time we want. I always think it's such a nice idea in London. That if you fancy a pint of milk now, or bacon eggs, or a sausage set, you can go and get it. There'll be somewhere around where you can go and get a sausage sandwich and bacon and eggs and chips and... Oh. Hungry, and uh, oh, definitely an egg sandwich now. Toasty egg sandwich. No. 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 Oh, I'd mention it. You know, I wasn't inv- inviting you out for lunch oh, or breakfast. Yeah, all right. Well, in your dreams. Oh, yeah, you see. Harassment, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it is. Harassment. <laughs> uh, morning, Mark. He's off out collecting cars this morning. Gordon in Betchworth says, do we qualify for loyalty cars? He said, no, we must qualify. I think you probably qualify for. Um, I think we'll have to take. Um, what are we going to take this time? I think we might take uh, Jelly Babies. <laughs> Seeing as they were very popular last time we did Jelly Babies on the programme. I, I must be the only person that, I, that can eat Jelly Babies and I can do a completely different programme. Unlike any other sweet that I can ever have in the morning. And sometimes I do get a... Sometimes I feel my sugar levels are down. But unfortunately, I do... I do sort of end up eating the wrong thing. And I did eat half a packet of Jelly Babies the other Friday. Oh, incidentally, somebody um, um, somebody said to me that the um, Alan Carr in conversation's not up on the website yet. Young Amanda says she will sort that out. Because everybody's saying it was the one that they laughed the most at. I laugh at most of them. Sometimes in a scary kind of way, but it was, it was a very good one. So the two things you've got to do. First of all, you have to go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and have a look at the pictures of a day in the life. Because it's got me arriving in the morning. I don't know why me all the time. And then it's got all the people, so you can see everybody during the daytime. James and James Whale and uh, Nick and Clive and people on the news desk and and Amanda's on there. The the back of Amanda, her best feature. And uh, so that's on there. And 
Who was on overnight? Who was doing overnight? Was that um, Anthony? Was Anthony? Is he on there as well? They're all on there. So Petri's on there. Crikey, who's not on there? Who's not? Everybody's on. So go and check it out. LBC.co.uk. Yes, I saw that one. Lovely, lovely pictures of me. I think I get three pictures or something. I can't remember. I was counting them. I, you know me, I'm a bit insecure. I don't like to sort of miss out on the picture. You know, I was going to write to Adrian and go, there's not really many pictures of me, you know. And yet we took loads. You know, there's only three on there. Another 500 would be quite nice. Oh, there's a nice one of Steve Hargrave on there as well in the studio. In fact, there's two, actually. Two, one of the back of my head. Who took that one? I ask myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, another one here says... Um, Flirt, 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 flirty, flirt. There you go, Steve. Consider yourself flirted with. Nobody's ever flirted with me. I'm not a flirty... I mean, I'm not the sort of person people flirt with. I think that they're worried that I might follow it up. You know, if they go, oh, we think you're really attractive. I might go, what do you think so? You know, because I'm a bit eager beaver in that department. I don't like to miss out. I went to a party the other Saturday, and, and I, was think- I was looking around thinking, who can I flirt with? And they were all my age. So there was nobody to flirt with at all, so I can't flirt with anybody my own age. I feel quite depressed if people are my own age. Uh, a couple of uh, days ago, says Yvonne, you were talking about the lack of knowledge of products shown by sales assistants these days. I'd like to say that Mike, in the curry store in Harrow, can always tell you about the product you're buying. I always go to him and recommend him. Strangely enough, one of the columnists today is talking about curries and saying they went in there... And they bought this item because the salesman had said, oh, this is really good and all the rest. As they were going out, the salesman said, I bet you'd like an extended warranty. And so the bloke goes, why? And he says, well, because things break down. He said, you've just spent ten minutes telling me how brilliant it is. And now you're telling me it's going to break down. He said, and I stupidly filled out a direct debit form for an extended warranty. My advice is in all of these places and all of the high street retailers... When you buy your washing machine, inside will be a thing from the manufacturer. If you want to do an extended warranty, do it with the manufacturer. Because nine out of ten times, what you will do is you'll go back to the store, and I know this for a fact, and you'll say, my washing machine's broken down, and they'll say, well, you need to speak to the manufacturer. Whereas, in fact, your contract is with the store. Your contract is not with the manufacturer. You take out an extended warranty in the store, just for example, Curry's or whoever it happens to be, it's with them. They deal... But the trouble is, most of these people, they don't want to know. They really don't... Jackie King, for ages, used to talk about some of the high, t- uh, high street retailers who never even bothered replying to people's letters. You know, somebody would write in complaining and just go, rip it up and throw it away. They couldn't... Once they flogged it to you... So my advice, with, with everything, is always to go on recommendations. For example, if, if a man does bought something from someone, she says to me, oh, I got really good service, you know, and I was thinking about going out and buying a bask and suspenders, you know, then, you know, I can go there as well. You all laugh. Did you see, I don't know if you saw, the Come Dine With Me programme, which had the hairdresser Marcelo Marino on. He was a rather revolting man, to put it mildly. He was rude, offensive to everybody. I mean, he really was. This man had a very high opinion of himself. He's in all the papers today. He's received death threats over Come Dine With Me. He's apparently had 300 emails... A hundred threatening letters and dozens of menacing phone calls. He's got a hairdressing salon. He was, he, was, he was obnoxious, but not half as obnoxious as a lot of people on there. He was just a little bit stupid and naive and really rated himself. And so some people wrote in, and he's only got three million viewers, this programme. And uh, 
one nut even warned him, I'm going to punch you until you're lying on the ground with blood coming out of your head. Now, these are the sort of stupid people that immediately you go to the police, you, you produce it. If it's on an email, you've got them like that. If it's a, a phone number, you can get them immediately and you take them to court because it's illegal. We've discussed this on the programme before. You, you start making threats against somebody and you start putting pen... To, and that, we know there's a few loonies out there. You know, you can't help that. Heavens above, there's nine million people in London. We are pushed not to find a few loonies, if not a whole barrel load of them. And they write sad things in, and you take them to court. That's what you have to do. So he's had all these death threats and everything else, scores of messages. Apparently, 8,000 people complained to Channel 4. I wouldn't have thought that 8,000 people could really be bothered to complain to Channel 4 about something so lame. I mean, it's a good little programme. And then there's another silly little man here, Darren McLeod. Okay, now Darren McLeod, I mean... (sighs) Darren McLeod is a diabetic, and he's, uh, he weighs, I think, about um, 17 stone, OK? So that's quite big. So he wants an operation. He wants a gastric band fitted. So he goes to the, uh, the doctor, and the... Uh, was my stomach, yeah. And, and it's every day now. It's ridiculous. I'm nearly ready to eat some food. I'm obviously wasting away here in preparation, you know, trying to make myself look a bit more athletic. And, um, and so he, he goes to the doctor and the doctor says, right, uh, you want a gastric band, but you're not fat enough. You've got to be 21 stone. So he says, I'm going to keep eating until I'm fat enough for the operation. I've never been so stupid in my entire life. This man is a complete and utter idiot. So because he wants the operation... And they've said, look, you're 17 stone, you've got to be 21. He's going to eat three and a half stone so that they'll give him the operation for free. You stupid man. You stupid man. Honestly, there are people out there more deserving of operations than, than you. I mean, it, they, they managed to find his, his GP uh, to say that uh, he's done everything he can. And the problem is, if he doesn't have the surgery soon, he'll lose his job and add further complications to his... What is he, a skydiver or something? What do you mean, lose his job? Well, because he's overweight. So he's now eating three-quarters of a loaf of bread a day, four packets of crisps and plenty of bacon rolls to get bigger. He says, I find it impossible to go on a diet. Well, I'm terribly sorry. I don't want to have to point this out to you. But the NHS is not there for weaklings like you. Just because you fail to go on a diet because I can't go on a diet, well, you better learn. You better learn to go on a diet. We're not there because you're weak-minded and pathetic. You know, you're the, if, if, if they then say you're not fat enough, you don't turn round as an adult, although I doubt whether or not you are really an adult, who then says, well, I'm going to keep eating till I get fat enough to get the, the free operation. It's not there for that kind of thing. You want that, go and get it done privately, pay for it. Don't sponge off the NHS. The headline, I'll keep gorging until I'm fat enough for the operation, is just completely wasting hospital time and space. There are people who need operations. There are people, you know, who survive on it. You're living at the moment. You're, he said, I don't, perhaps I'll come off insulin. You're diabetic. You won't ever come off insulin. You'll just increase it. I've just increased insulin. You don't ever come off it. It's there for the, for the rest of your life. Steve, do you have a brother called Wayne? No. I really don't. I wouldn't have any. Do I sound like the sort of person who'd have a brother called Wayne? I mean, I ask you, for goodness sake, Wayne. <laughs> Can't even cope with it. Uh, thank you to Sean from London, who's recommended another website for you. This one is www.derelictlondon.com. 
It's a really good website. It's got all the places that are falling down and everything from buildings to railway stations to public loos. Remember the day you find a public loo on every corner? Now you can't find anything at all. So, derelictlondon.com. Really good. Thank you, Sean, for that one. I have seen it before, actually. I have seen it. My favourite one is the one that's got all the theatres in it, the old theatres that used to be there. And I can't remember which one that is, but I'm sure you'll find it if you type in theatres and type in the Hippodrome and you can have a look at what they do. I'd love to go in the Hippodrome. I keep appealing on the programme, hoping that the people who own it now will say, would you like to pop in, Steve, and have a look? It's only over the road. I'd love to see what's going on in the Hippodrome and take some lovely photos. So if the nice people who own it are listening, I'd love to go. Morning, everybody. It's eight minutes uh, past six. Thursday morning in London town. Just moved to Hong Kong, says Michelle. I'm very pleased I can hear the whole show. I was never awake early enough to hear you in the UK. And uh, any tips for living in Hong Kong? OK, you've got to go to the Tiger Balm Gardens. You must go to the fish markets at Wan Chai. Uh, you have to go to the floating restaurants at Aberdeen. You have to go up the Peak Railway. You have to do the Star Ferry. And you have to buy... Like, I tell you what, I could go to Hong Kong like that now. I really could, actually. I quite fancy going there. Uh, you've got to go to the Peninsula Hotel... You've got to eat Chinese food. It'll be a somewhat different to the stuff you get over here, but it will be proper. And you've got to just go through all the markets because the smells and the sounds and everything. You just can't beat it. You cannot beat it. Lovely. Uh, Corin and Tony. Uh, well, Corin, I think, has just bought some light-up juggling balls. I've just bought some gloves for the producer that change colour. She's very excited about them. And they've got little lights in the end of all the fingers. And it, oh, fantastic. And so when she first saw them, oh, got a bit excited. And so she's got uh, those. Um, Sophie, because Jan and Peter uh, went on Saturday with Corin and Tony to see Jan and Peter's granddaughter, Sophie, playing Dick Whittington at the Intimate Theatre. She was excellent, as were the rest of the cast, and lovely costumes. And, um... She says, see you soon. Quite possibly. Ray Frencham says, uh, the awards ceremony. Who cares about the awards? Move over Ben Shepherd. Dermot Odishi is in the house. Uh, Mr Grimsdale. Because those clothes are getting just a little bit uh, too tight. We'll talk to uh, Roger Foss. Uh, Gary says, uh, well done to the vigilant Noreen for getting the tickets. Hope John Warrington is well. He's a lot better than he was. He'll be with us tomorrow on the programme. And says, uh, a first for me, sending you an email the night before. I'm on leave for a week, although still awake at 0500. Just wanted to stay in bed and listen. People do, don't they? You're not still doing this running, are you? This running, I must start getting into it. I can't run, though. I'm not very good at running. I look a bit dippy when I'm running. Some people look quite, I just don't look good when I'm doing it. Rusty has sent in pictures of the, uh, of the parents' farm. Frida with puppies, and this is what ducks look like before they appear on your plate. Oh, don't! I can't do that. I couldn't live on a farm and do that, actually. I don't mind eggs, but I couldn't, you know, don't want to actually look at uh, uh, ducks. Carola went straight to booking and got fab seats. Well done. Miranda Green is looking at the papers this morning for Nick Ferrari, and on the day the Coalition Education Bill is published, Nick speaks to the Secretary of State, Michael Gove, about what changes we can expect. Plus, he'll be asking the Business Secretary, Vince Cable, about his thoughts on the disappointing GDP figures. Nick, with guests, at 7 o'clock this morning on LBC. Uh, On the uh, PMQSs, the Prime Minister in Question Time, who won this week, uh, Kevin Maguire. I think went there the other day, actually. Uh, Another guide dog attack in London, Eleanor Burke whose uh, dog was attacked by a pit bull on Sunday. It's about time, Nick will ask, that we did something about these dangerous dogs. Uh, ta 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 uh, Robert and his wife uh, used to listen to Heart. They now listen to this programme. 
Which is good, actually. They're, they're just around the corner from here. In fact, in fact, if I drill upwards... Is it up? Yes, I have to drill up two floors. I could actually pop up into, into Jamie into Jamie's studio. I won't, of course, because then the entire ceiling would fall down. You say, it's great fun, this. First thing in the morning. Which is good, isn't it? Uh, can you mention, says Adrian, a day in the life of LBC? Yes, it's on the LBC website. lbc.co.uk And uh, text and tweet this morning. It's exactly 18 months, believe it or not, until the start of the Olympics. Will you be buying a ticket? They were discussing this upstairs earlier on. Dan was deciding, should I buy a ticket? Should I? I said, well, if you can buy one, you can always sell it afterwards, can't you? Sell it later if you buy it, or if that, give it to a loved one or an elderly person. And, uh, and he, he couldn't work out. Will you be buying a ticket for the Olympics? Which event are you most excited about? I'm doing the over-35 nudist leapfrog uh, event, because that's going to be very popular. I should be cheering on my favourite jumping-over people. OK? So, exactly 18 months... Until the start of the Olympics, will you be buying a ticket? And what events are you most excited about? You can text me, steve at lbc.co.uk, 84850, or tweet LBC973. OK. Uh, my friend Jackie says... Oh, I can't read it, it's very, very complimentary. But uh, anyway, she was working with uh, Davina McCall last week. And Davina turns up in the papers today, because uh, she was at the event... Yesterday, all the celebs were out, all the girls wearing as many outfits as they can, which show lots and lots of flesh. I mean, Alicia Dixon's is just showing a bit too much flesh. It's freezing cold. Nobody seems to have coats on. They leave them in the car. How does that work? Uh, Linda is travelling around India. She said, this is my world trip, and I'm delighted. I've listened for years, and I'm taking the podcast with me. Actually, I know no end of people who, when they go on holiday, save up the podcast. So when they, they go on holiday, they don't miss the programme. They could just keep listening. And when they come back, they've got a few more to actually catch up on. So thank you for that. It's very cheap to podcast from as little as £2 a month. You can download everything on LBC. So when you go away, you could maybe take Clive's programme. And it's, it's had all the bits taken out of it. So it'll have the, um, the adverts taken out, the news, all the opening little bits and pieces. You just get the programme. So uh, go for that, lbc.co.uk. So much on, on the site, including the pictures of my, me and Panto and the day in the life of LBC, which is very popular. And Janice uh, wrote in and said, uh, we would welcome uh, a mention for my mum's 80th birthday, Flora, why, or Floss to her family and multitude of friends, is a serious live wire and lives for her life according to LBC. You bad people aiding her opinions of our pensioners, stopping them from being old. She listens every day and you're her favourite... Nice, isn't it? I would get the pensioners. I don't know why. Steve Allen, the pensioners' friend, they go. <laughs> Which is good. We're heading up to her native Scotland to celebrate, and I know a word from you, particularly if it's a little catty, would make her day. Well, the fact she's still alive at 80, you mean? I mean, for goodness sake. I mean, she, listen, sometimes the 80-year-olds, you've got to watch more carefully than the 75-year-olds. They're a bit racy-pacy. And I have no doubt that Flora is as racy-pacy as an... We don't have age on this programme. We don't really care about people's ages at all. We're, we're really not worried about it. We think it's a state of mind. I mean, some mornings I can feel 190. And then other mornings I sort of wake up and I'm, I'm quite young. Unfortunately, today is one of those days where I'm feeling about 190, so it doesn't really matter, does it? Because it's a state of mind. Sometimes you stand in the bathroom and I look in the mirror and I think, I'm not using enough Clarins. I need to, so I trowel it. And then she says to me next door, oh, you shouldn't wear it every day. Because apparently it doesn't... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm still putting... I'm, 
Well, that's what they told her, but, I mean, frankly, I mean, don't you think I'm looking rather line-free and a little bit young and youthful and vivacious? No, obviously not. Yes, I'll have to go back to the creme de la mer. Although I mentioned it to my bank manager. She said, if you buy that, she said, at £250 a pot, she said, I'm closing your account. So, no danger there. <laughs> News headlines, Sam Pish. With me, Nick Ferrari, this morning from 7. I like the idea, there's a piece in the paper today about a guy called Duncan Ellaby. Uh, who's asked mourners to wear high heels at his wife's funeral because she loved high heels. They're nice. Well, that's quite sweet, actually. Uh, Debbie, who's 51, of Prestwich in Manchester, died of cancer and at the funeral held today. So everybody's been wearing high... Whether or not he's wearing high heels, we don't know. We shall probably, uh, probably find out. Uh, Graham says, I watched the Hattie Jakes film last night. What a strange love life she led. I think it's awful when they start doing these sort of rake-over things. I mean, I really do. You know, uh, John, John Lemessurier... Uh, said, you know, she wasn't... Oh, sorry, no, no, not uh, John Lemessurier, he died years ago. Um, Eric Sykes said, you know, that wasn't the Hattie that I knew. Why do they have to do this? Why do they have to do it? It's awful. Um, he says, I see the house in Earl's Court quite a lot. I think it's got a plaque, hasn't it? I think it's got a plaque. And uh, Michael says, I'd love to take Amanda out for breakfast. Careful, steady tiger. Did you see Brucey collect his award last night? Good game, good game. Yes, I, I, I like Bruce, actually. I'm sure he could be as difficult as the next person... But uh, another impression, it's uncanny. This programme is just becoming so full of cute impressions. You can listen to this programme and it's like the whole show business world wanders through the studio and straight out the other side. They don't stop. Although this weekend, who have we got coming in for In Conversation? We've got Bill Ward. Do you remember him? Nasty little piece of work from Coronation Street. But if you're a fan of Elvis, you're going to like the conversation. And the lovely Belinda Carlisle. She's back on tour with Boy George and with Jason Donovan and Flock of Seagulls. Tons of people. So details coming up on In Conversation this Sunday on LBC. And if you go to the LBC website now, you can have a check of the uh, day in the life of LBC with lots of nice pictures of me and other people as well. It's good. Everybody gets a good picture on there. Even people who you thought wouldn't really take a good picture. Yeah, the, the, there is one, one picture just of Amanda's back. Now, there's two pictures of her back. What does that tell you, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, Jan says, don't you have breakfast before you come to work? Well, at two in the morning. What, are you mad or something? Uh, Roger Foss is our man in the front row, and on Tuesday he was wearing his Critics Circle badge on his lapel at the Critics Circle Awards at the Prince of Wales Theatre, where Derek Jacobi scooped the award for Best Shakespearean Performance as King Lear. Morning. Good morning, Steve. Yes, it's me doing my impersonation of a theatre critic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I am a theatre <laughs> critic, and I'm going to tell you all about it. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I put on my old jacket and my, with the... Uh, of uh, Paddles and uh, Critic. No, uh, the Critics Theatre Awards this week at uh, the uh, Prince of Wales, David Hopp, uh, stage actor for uh, All My Sons, the Arthur Miller play at the Apollo Theatre. But Derek Jacobi, now 72, I couldn't good believe Lord, it. Good really? Yeah. Looked pretty good for that. He's got the um, best Shakespeare performance in King Lear. Now, King Lear is at the Donmar Warehouse. Uh, and the Donmar Warehouse, as you know, is not that big. <laughs> and King Lear has been a complete and awesome. It finishes its run uh, on the 5th of February, but there's a chance in cinemas when uh, the production is beamed live to cinema screens uh, around the country um, via satellite and, uh, and actually right across the country and across the world as well. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting, this, because the Donmar has teamed up with the National Theatre, mm. who have been doing these uh, screenings live from the National Theatre, uh, they've already done Helen Mirren in, um, in, a, in a Greek tragedy and uh, uh, Rory Kinnear in Hamlet. And that, that show we were talking about that's doing very well there called uh, Fella, about Fella Kuti, the mm. Nigerian Afrobeat 
guy. Uh, that's been screened. But now they're doing King Lear, um, and it's going to be in cinemas. Every, well, quite a lot of them, from Aberdeen, I think, to uh, Yeovil and, and across London cinemas. So wherever you are, whether you're in, in Belsize Park or in Wimbledon, uh, uh, you, you can see uh, Derek Jacobi giving this fantastic performance. Although when he, uh, the critic circle, of course, he wasn't able to be there to collect his award because he'd lost his voice. Poor occupational hazard, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Um, but uh, so hopefully you'll have his voice back for this. But uh, I, I, and also we've got to notice as well because I, I went down to the national. They, they did a press conference this week with um, Nick Heitner, who runs it. Uh, fantastic success there. And one of the big shows coming up at the national, of course, opening fairly soon, is this uh, amazing production, a new show about Frankenstein. Oh right, yes. And that, yeah, well, that's gonna that's um, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. You know Sherlock Holmes. Yes. And uh, Johnny Lee Miller, wow. and during the run, they they alternate the roles, so they alternate the roles of the Doctor Frankenstein and the creature <laughs> between them. <laughs> um, so one day that... they are Frankenstein, the next day they're playing the creature. Yeah, exactly. Oh, one day Frankenstein, the next day they get made up as the creature. So cool. Should be interesting that one. Yes. And um, the uh, this production of Frankenstein is going to be screened uh, in the same way on the seventeenth of March. At uh, my birthday. All over the place. It's my birthday. There you are. Here's a birthday treat for you. How nice. Just make a note of that birthday at home. Treat 17th of yep. March. Cash accepted, you know. <laughs> wow. There you are. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. That'll be nice. That'll be very good. Well, I think it's a great idea because these shows, the National Theatre is on a real roll. Um, they're, they're kind of, you know, you've got to queue up at three in the morning to mm. get into some of these shows now. They're 90%. 99% full. Good. And there's some great ones coming up, apart from Frankenstein, that were announced the other day. James Corden, after being in the History Boys at the National, going back there to do a comedy. Um, there's Simon Russell Beale in a new play. He'll be playing Stalin. Wow. <laughs> I like know, him. Apparently, oh, Simon, apparently he's lost a lot of weight. So, oh, <laughs> that's um, a shame. All he's to, I know, he's got to put on a, a moustache and a, and a, and a wig. Mm. And he'll Stalin, Stalin carried a bit of weight, um, didn't he? He did. He did. He certainly did. And I think he used to smoke a lot as well. So yes. maybe he's on a health kick. Um, they've got a new Mike Lee play coming up at the National as well with no title yet. They're still working on it. Nobody knows what it's called. And, and they announced that Tori Amos is writing a musical for them in, in, in I think it's 2013 or something like that. Mm. So a lot happening at the National. Yes. And, you, and because it's so busy, the Bonmar as well absolutely always sold out. These screenings give people all over the place, a great opportunity to see these performances that you might never, ever be able to go and see. Mm. And generally, the seats for the cinema screenings are only around about 15 quid. So, and, and, of course, they're all really good quality. It's all high-definition stuff, and um, it's like actually being at a performance, although, of course, you've got the lady going down the aisle with the Kyra Suncrush <laughs> instead of sitting in a theatre. <laughs> Why they've still got those women there. I love the trays that light up. That was my... And then the moment that goes into the adverts, they, they flick their little switch and it lights up. I mean, that was just, for me, was the ultimate going to the cinema. It was. Yes. And the organ would come up as well if you were If lucky. you're lucky, if you're very lucky. Most of the cinemas don't seem to have them now. Oh, no. Oh, that's all gone, I think it? they've still got them, though. Haven't they got them at the Empire Leicester Square? Not the Empire, the... Uh, 
Well, the, yes, the Empire. The, the Odeon. Odeon the, yeah. Yeah, probably they have, actually. Yeah. They, they probably have, yes. They, 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 they're a, it's a lost world. The world, it's an organ, all lit up with wonderful colours. They should give us one. Do you know how much it is to go to the cinema here? A friend of mine booked the other day and went to see the Colin Firth film. 22 quid a ticket. Yeah, You 20, can go to the theatre cheaper. I know. I know. And people are saying, well, at the National, um, they've been doing these £10 tickets. Yes, yes. There are certain tickets that sell for 10 quid. It's an absolute bargain. And, and, and it's been at that price now for, for a number of years, and they've gone up now to £12. Well, actually, that's kind of in line with the way prices have So for 12 quid, you can go to the National... Well, yes, that's it's, amazing. It's, it's amazing when you sort of look at it in terms of that, isn't it? I mean, I think cinema ticket. I mean, if, if you go out of town to the cinema, it can be six or seven quid, I think. Which I, even that, I think, is a bit expensive. <laughs> well, you're used to the. You see, this is the trouble, Steve. You're used to the one and nines. No, I'm know, used to when it was threepence and sixpence. Excuse me, and I'm also used to oh. getting a bit more value for money than just a film. Uh, well, of course, you would have got a B movie. Yes. You would have got Look at Life. Uh, you would have got the news. Yes. Then you get the main feature. It's a whole entertainment. Um, a whole entertainment. Because, of course, you had to put up with... Everybody was smoking. Yes. That was one thing. But nobody was eating um, giant hot dogs and sitting there with popcorn and stuff. No, that's true. There were no mobile phones going. No, no. Uh, but the, tr- the, uh, the thing that I remember about this uh, cinema going in, in, in those dim-, dim and distant days is that they were continuous performances, weren't they? So people yes. would get up in the middle of the film because that's when you arrived to see whatever it was. Yes, um, yes. You got up in the... You know, so, so you didn't necessarily, like they do now, have timings, mm. and then everybody goes out, and then the new audience comes in. It just ran through, all the way through, from two That's in the hard. afternoon till ten at night. Yes. And then, of course, you had, at the very end... Everybody had to stand up for God Save the Queen. Oh, we used to get really angry. If people, they started playing the national anthem at the end of the performance, some people would start moving out and you could hear... <laughs> and things like that for people who didn't That's stand right. up for the national anthem. My God, we're old. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I have to run. leave it there. I have to go, I have to go yes. and stand up for something. I don't know what, it'll be something. We'll talk <laughs> next week, shall we? Yes, I'm off next week, next week to see Leslie Jordan taking a trip down the West End Excellent. pink carpet. Excellent. We look forward to that. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Leslie Jordan, of course, who was in uh, Will and Grace. So we look forward to that. Roger Foss, thank you very much indeed. I think that was Leslie Jordan, who was the little one who played Beverly in Will and Grace. Really good. Looking forward to it. LBC 97.3. Steve Allen. The DFS winter sale is on, and there's still double savings to be had. 26 minutes to 7, Thursday morning. Brr, it's like winter outside. Gloves, scarf, hat, coat. And you still see people turning up to all the awards ceremonies wearing very little. It's exactly 18 months until the start of the Olympics. Will you be buying a ticket? What events are you most excited about? I know tickets are going, but are you one of those people who's bought one? Do let me know on 84850. You can tweet LBC973, or you can send uh, an email to steve at lbc.co.uk. So it's exactly 18 months until the start of the Olympics. Will you be buying a ticket? And what events are you most excited about? Or are you not going to buy a ticket? Do let me know. Alan says, I'm 23 stone. I'd love to lose weight again. Surviving on 1,000 calories. The gastric band is for life. Next, he'll demand to have the band taken out again. Well, th- this is the man who's in the papers today who is not fat enough to have a gastric band fitted, so he's eating, he's diabetic on insulin, he's eating to make sure that he becomes fat enough to have the operation. 
I mean, it's, it's just a total waste of the NHS's resources. And somebody going through this whole charade just so they can have a gastric band fitted. The simple reason being, he can't diet. In other words, he's bone idle. You know, it, you fit, if you were the doctor, you'd be saying to him, well, you're going to have to diet, aren't you? You're going to have to diet. I'm sorry. Other people have to diet. There was somebody in America who was too fat for an operation, and they went in and went, ooh, what an operation. They went, well, you're not having one. Why? You're too fat for the operation. There's no point in giving it. Why would we waste time and money on you? Mind you, over there, of course, you have to pay for it on uh, on your medical insurance. Over here, people just turn up and go, I'll have that one free, can I? And while I'm here, should I have a hair transplant? I have my ears pinned back and do all the rest. No, no, no. There are people who are far more deserving than somebody who's eating now to try and get a gastric band fitted. We, the public, paid to build the Olympics. Now we've got to pay to get in. And Gary says, I can't wait for the closing ceremony. Waste of money, bar humbug. I wonder what they're going to do. I bet it involves the London bus and bobbies. I've just got this feeling it'll involve that. I can't think of anything else. When you ask people about London, you know, what does, what does England say to you? What does the United Kingdom say? And they'll go, merchant ivory, clotted cream. What else would they say? Rain and red buses and black taxis. So there's going to be a fleet of black taxis. Uh, I mean, I don't know what they're going to have in the middle. Whether we're going to have cheerleaders or... I don't know how I could get involved. I could, you know, we, we could have that thing where you have a giant balloon and then we throw it up in the air and then we catch it again and then we put it on our chest and then we all push them together and then we make a pretty pattern and we just... Da-da! Like that. We could, we could do synchronised swimming, because it will rain. Sure as God made little apples, it will rain. Uh, 8 for 850. Steve at LBC. Uh, how can you defend Frankie Boyle, what he says, and people have a private talk, then get fired. So everyone, radio and television, better be looking over their shoulders, says Tom. Oh, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody has got to look over their shoulders. It depends whether or not you take it seriously. What they were saying was unforgivable. And they're doing it in an environment where there's lots of people standing around going, you know, and they do it all the time. They've been doing it for years. It's nothing new. It's an old culture. They've been there for 20 years. You ask anybody who worked up at Sky, and they'll tell you exactly what they were like. No tears shed over them going. I've not read one item in any of the papers saying, oh, they'll be sadly missed. And I should imagine the sport managing director will be saying exactly the same. We've just saved 1.7 million. Woo! You don't need it because it, it brings a place down. You don't need that kind of talk coming onto people. I mean, we used to have... I remember years ago, there was a women's group. I've said this to before. There was a women's group at LBC because there was one particular journalist who used to make sexist comments to the women. And in the end, they compl- And I went to the women's group. Because you can't not go to it. You can't be denied access to it. You can't be sitting there like a lemon. You know, and they're discussing this particular person. Of course, trust me, I was a member of the women's group. But I only went to one meeting, if truth be told. But they were complaining about this one particular guy who used to inappropriately touch people. And they literally, they got together, all the women, and they said, it's going to stop, and it's going to stop now. Because at the time, we had a lot, of, a lot of gay women working there, and a lot of also, and they said, we don't want it. So they made an official documentation to the management and said, listen, this is going to stop, and it's going to stop right now. And such was the power of the union in those days, they did it through, through the NUJ, that uh, it stopped. Stopped very quickly. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Um, another one here. A sos- oh dear. Poor old George has had a sausage and egg McMuffin at Liverpool Street. We're so sorry about that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure whether or not that's the kind of thing that's going to change my day. Sausage and egg. Um, 
I'd kill to see Derek Jacobi doing Lear. He's my all-time favourite actor. Has been since I saw him at Stratford in Much Ado About Nothing. It was 1982, says Dee. Well, you so can. But he's lost his voice at the moment, which is uh, not good. Uh, Jonathan Lucy, have a very nice holiday. That's from Harvey, the driver. And poor old Peter Andre and his girlfriend... Ellen Reeves uh, were out on the town the other night because Peter's not touring at the moment and Ellen's not in Dancing on Ice because she was kicked out very quickly because the public didn't like her. And uh, she had a birthday party. It isn't until you see the picture of them walking out together you realise that she must be about as big as a church mouse because she's wearing this ludicrous shoes. Now, he's tiny. I don't know if you've ever seen Peter Andre. He's tiny. You know, you get, Peter, are you in here? Yes, I'm here. And, and he's there. She must be even smaller, because to make her look as though she's the same height, they put her in these ridiculous shoes, which she looks so she can barely walk in. So they go to their, their party at Shoreditch House, and then they suddenly realise that they've only got the people that... I mean, presumably it's going to be photographed for OK magazine, but there was a more happening A-list bash upstairs. And that was the in-style event. So they decide to get some pictures with some A-list celebrities, which had Heidi Klum and Tandy Newton, Mel C and James Corden that they'd go up there. Well, of course, they didn't have an invite. So the story in the paper today is of how the security... No, 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 no. Go, 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 go away. But then they've obviously tried to sort of spin it so that they can get inside the room just to get a picture taken with Jonathan Ross to make it look as though that Jonathan was maybe coming to their party. Because when I read it in one of the other papers, I thought, why on earth would Jonathan Ross be going to a party with two attention-seeking non-entities? Why would you bother doing that? And the answer is, he was at the, the posh party upstairs and they were in the... Well, we don't have anybody downstairs. Who do you have? I don't know. I wonder who they had at their party. I wonder who their friends are. Be a, oh, Kerry Katona would be there. No, she was far too busy, probably trying to get herself into the dress. Go, <sighs> just have one more fag before I go in. <sighs> they all turn up in like a minibus thing. It's quite funny, really. Uh, Paul, on the subject of cinemas, says, uh, As you know, we here in Manchester and the fan club have been trying to tempt you up on the world tour. Just wonder if you saw the Eric and Ernie play with Victoria Wood just after Christmas. In it, there was a scene where Eric went to an audition in a cinema and the theatre organ came up. It was actually filmed at the Plaza Stockport, whose website you've seen. What a place to put on a show. Also, the building, which doubled as the TV theatre in the film, is the ABC Apollo Cinema, now the big concert hall. By the way, nice to see that nasty public schoolgirl got what she deserved. Do you remember this story? We were so horrified. This happened just down the road from us here... And it's the former public schoolgirl, Ruby Thomas, a vile, disgusting piece of work. It's a gay guy, he's come out of a nightclub, and her and her boyfriend, well, I can only say at one point she stamps on his head and he dies. She's been sentenced to only seven years. They say she'll be out in probably 18 months. What price of life in this country, Paul? What price of life? A piece of filth of the first order. This drink-filled homophobic assault. I mean, it just it makes you want to weep when you consider that she can do that. Luckily, there were people around there. She was caught, and, uh, and she will get her just desserts. Although, to be honest with you, if they sent her in there for life and then hanged her, it wouldn't be good enough as far as I'm concerned. I'm sick to death of these sort of things going on in London. I have to drive through... Trafalgar Square every day, and you want to see the lowlifes that are hanging around in this practically pitch-dark area. I mean, there's hardly any lighting around there at all, but there's too many people who are drunk. I see them all the time. I don't know why these places are allowed to operate. It's ridiculous. Uh, Rusty says, I'm going to buy a ticket to get me out of London. This is obviously uh, people not wanting to go to the Olympics. Tony says, I think compared to the last Olympics, ours is going to be like a school sports day, by comparison. Well, having seen all the 
all the big events, and I've, I've watched them over the years, and they do do big opening ceremonies. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if you turn it over to a big impresario like Cameron McIntosh or Andrew Lloyd Webber or somebody like that and say, listen, what would you do for the opening ceremony? Just to showcase, I was going to say, it's bound to feature bobbies, it's bound to feature traffic wardens, it's going to feature traffic wardens, because we're only, only in this country, but because, we have, because traffic wardens need to feature, because they're very fit, because they have to run to try and get the ticket on the lorry before it drives off again. I'll be ticketing buses. Sorry, you're sitting at this bus stop. Tick! Uh, a, t- a traffic warden event, I think, definitely. And so we'll have, we'll have red buses, we'll have black taxis, uh, we'll have beefeaters. You're bound to have beefeaters because they'll go, oh, it's so British. You know, what they won't have are down-and-outs, people playing bad musical instruments uh, or anything like that. But they will have... They'll, they'll have all the, the different boroughs represented. So they'll have lots of people in, you know, representing all the ethnic minorities. You don't get this in Japan, strangely enough. All we've got is people throwing batons in the air. And to be honest with you, I've tried doing it. It's not easy. And you, you throw it in the air and it just seems to vanish. It just it doesn't even come down again. Darren in Basingstoke says, I want to take my kids to the Olympics as a lifelong memory, but the price is a bit expensive. They'll have to get their life memory from the television. It's, it's, it's not cheap. It's not cheap to go. They've tried to... Apparently, if you live within the areas, you get it cheaper. So you can imagine there'll be loads of people selling the, the tickets on. And June says, I'm waiting for my complimentary ticket as I pay towards the building of the Olympic site in the first place. It's funny how this is kind of running through your, uh, your texts and emails this morning. Mike says, I will not be buying a ticket for the Olympics in the event. What I'm most looking forward to is the closing ceremony. God, blimey, we're not fans of this, are we? There's me thinking you'll all be going, yeah, let's be patriotic, we've got the Olympics. And most of you are going, as we said a short while ago, you can bet your bottom dollar that um, old Bob Crow will be bringing all the tube drivers out and strike. Nobody better get there. The buses will come out in sympathy to get more money because you can hold people to ransom at times like that. And then I turned, on the, the, uh, I turned into one of the papers today and there was a lovely feature on Ollie Murs and he was over at Sandy Lane in, uh, in the Bahamas for Christmas but unfortunately, he was on that side of the island over there, and Simon Cowell was on that side of the island. And he said, I'm just an Essex boy. Darling, you wouldn't have been invited anyway. It's very posh, Sandy Lane. They don't want somebody turning up from Essex at Sandy Lane going, All right, mate, all right. You know, it's a bit naff, I'm afraid. People wearing little pork pie hats does not go down well in that part of the world. I know, because I've been there. And uh, Steve, love the show, says Wilma. P.S. My birthday is the 17th of March, too. Yeah, but what year? Quarter to seven with the headline, Sam Pittis. London's biggest conversation with me, Nick Ferrari, this morning from seven. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, just quickly running through the, uh, the gongs last night. Who got what at the National Television Awards? Most popular comedy programme, Benidorm. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Most popular entertainment programme, shows how dire we are. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. It's almost like you could, I could be reading last year's nominations, couldn't I? Most popular newcomer, Ricky Norwood, EastEnders. Nope, sorry on that one. I'm a little bit non... I don't know. Ricky Norwood. We'll, we'll Google him and find out. Most popular drama, Waterloo Road. Are these current programmes? I'm really... How bizarre. Digital Choice, The Inbetweeners. Most outstanding serial drama performance... Lacey Turner, EastEnders. Isn't she leaving? Didn't she say... Oh, she's left, actually. Oh, she's gone already. Oh, Ricky Norwood plays Fat Boy. Oh, aren't they? They've decided the character's so popular they're going to bring in a family around him as well. Oh, very odd. Uh, most popular entertainment presenter, 
Ant and Deck. Must be awful for poor old Declan. Always comes second, doesn't he? Ant's always first. And, you know, Declan, you've always come second. I'm sorry, love. Uh, topical magazine programme this morning. Anyway, there's no competition. There's nothing else on, is there? Not going to give it to the right stuff. Oh, look, the right stuff. Oh, same people again. Uh, this morning's, uh, sorry, most popular factual programme, Top Gear. Most popular talent show, X Factor. Most popular radio programme, Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, LBC 97.3. Most popular radio host, Steve Allen from Steve Allen's Early Breakfast Show, LBC 97.3. You shut your face, I'm making up my own awards here. I don't care, I don't care. Uh, Most outstanding performance on a radio programme, Steve Allen for Steve Allen's Early Breakfast Show on LBC 97. There's a bit of a pattern emerging here. Most popular entertainer every morning, very funny for two hours, Steve Allen again. How funny is that? Most outstanding drama performance went to David Jason. Special recognition. Good game, good game. David Jason. No, it was Brucey Forsyth. You can imagine him sitting at home going, uh, they, they want you to come to the awards. OK, right. Have I won? Yes. OK, I'll come. Because otherwise you're, you're sitting there as a, a bit like, like the Oscars and, and all the cameras are on you and you're sitting there and they go and it goes to... And you, and you have to sit there and smile and go, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that I managed to get myself dressed up and coming to sit here and do the whole fake laughing and the fake smiling bit. And uh, so the X Factor went and they got an award. Well, of course they would do. You know, it is one of the most popular programmes on the television. It drags in the audience. Because we, we like to sit there and look at, at entertainment. That's what it is. It's a programme. You know, entertainment always wins, hands down. You know, you're never going to find panorama's going to get a huge award because it's never going to get the audience, but you're always going to find entertainment programmes. That's why newspapers like The Sun, The Mirror, you know, Mail, Express, all the sort of red... They're always going to get the biggest audience. You're not going to find somebody who, you know, lives on a council estate in Wigan reading The Telegraph. Well, you might find a few of them, but it's certainly not going to be the majority. The majority will be reading something you can sit on the train and go, ooh, nice. Um... Other stories very quickly in the paper today. Uh, a Catholic priest, Father Antoine Vidou, um, portrayed himself as caring and loving. In fact, what he was doing, actually, he lived with a young mi- mistress in a luxury villa and he ripped his parishioners off to the tune of £2 million. He doesn't live here, incidentally. He's on the French Mediterranean island of Corsica. But he kept his wild life. He was drinking, boozing, you know, whoa, you know, all that kind of stuff. At the same time, he was filtering all the money. He'd done it over a number of years, and uh, he was given a two-year prison sentence, but he was freed with permission to appeal. But the latest court said, no, 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 go back to prison, you, uh, you crooked old so-and-so. Uh, other stories in the papers very quickly. Brian Reed says today, uh, if Lauren Gofton had changed her name to Anne Jones instead of Lauren Laverne, would we ever have heard of her? No. Would we want to? Probably not. Uh, I see that uh, disgraced politician Tommy Sheridan has gone down fighting. Another bent one. Jail for perjury. That uh, he could be out in... Uh, in 18 months, I should imagine. And uh, how much would an £8,500 loan cost you? How much could an £8,500 loan cost you? Well, there's all these companies at the moment. There's one here. If your lender is Reunion Finance, run by John Cohen, it could cost you your house because they're linked in to your property and they always put on there, you know, your house is at risk. Anyway, one man here borrowed... £8,400. Brace yourself. By the time he died, he had repaid more than £46,000. 
The firm is demanding another 35000 because the loan was secured against his house and, uh, and then they'll sell it. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting what goes on. It really is. I mean, lots of people, unfortunately, fall prey to these people. And uh, it's about time that these sort of people were charged down. £8,400 the loan. The final payment, 81000 It's disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting. But then, of course, the, uh, the government themselves are running that website where it's 3,260%. They've actually put it on a government website, which is ridiculous. Uh, Steve, I cringe at the thought of what our opening ceremony will be like. I do, do you know, I can't even in my wildest dreams imagine what it's going to be like. I just see a lot of people. We, we'll all be out of sync. I can tell. We'll all be standing there going, OK, m- move now. Move now. Left, right. Was it like right first or oh, too late? Lynn says, I thought the opening ceremony was being put on by the director of Slumdog. Oh, well, that'll be good. Then Danny Boyle is doing it. Oh, well, that'll be good. I'm not really sure we want a Bollywood-style opening, because even in Slumdog Millionaire, I thought they were going to do a real big Bollywood dance number and was mortally disappointed when, at the end, it was feeble and weak compared to Bollywood films, and I'm an expert on Bollywood films. I'm an absolute expert, and I'm telling you, I've seen better dance numbers put on by children, and it was too many camera cutaways. It's like watching a pop video. You know, and you count on seconds how long each shot is, about two seconds on a pop video. So you never get a chance to see if the artist can actually dance or even sing. And, of course, in many cases, they can't do either. And uh, Dee says, I thank the Lord I live here in cosy Southwest Five, and so we'll only have to deal with the terminally bewildered tourists asking how to get to the games. It's one of my favourite lines, the terminally bewildered. My Aunt Enid's at home like that, for the terminally bewildered. But she's having a whale of a time at the moment. I mean, she, re- she can imagine all sorts of things. Uh, excellent customer service. Uh, because uh, Pat went to Janet Riley's at Saffron Walden. She said, everybody's buying curtains. Is this the new thing, to buy curtains at the moment? Are you buying new curtains next door? No, my bank manager says to me, I've just bought new curtains, she said. Oh, she's got, sh- oh, she's got shutters. Really? Shutters are really nice. Are they white shutters or wooden? Oh, big white. How lovely, honestly. You're living in a museum or something. You're living in a museum or something like that. You've got shutters. Do you have proper curtains or just shutters? Oh, how lovely. Little blind at the top, honestly. She's so rich. She's living in a, one of those sort of houses that's probably grade two listed or something. I thought, how lovely. That's very exciting. Some friends of mine have actually got a shutter company. And they're really popular now. They're really popular. People love shutter. They come in all different sizes and shapes and colours, you know, to match anybody's environment. It's lovely, isn't it? But this friend of mine's just bought curtains from a place where she said in John Lewis they would have been 300 quid. In this other place, £99. Which is actually a lot of difference, because I've, I've still got curtains that my mother had made for me years ago and strange enough in chocolate brown which is the most popular color is that funny chocolate brown because it goes with everything it was like a it blocks out the light and it's really really nice actually so uh, and of course typical pat who chose an expensive fabric i tell you the one thing you will find pat and everybody else will bear this out if you go to somebody who sells curtains or furnishing fabrics they generally know everything about it but you go and buy electrical equipment, most of them haven't got the faintest idea. But you buy curtains and fabrics, and they're people who deliberately want to work in curtain... It's like wool shops. You go into a wool shop, they will know all about the wool and how many balls of wool. We used to sit there and work out, you know, if the curtain pattern repeat is 45 inches, you need an extra to put this on here. And then at the time you've hemmed it, and you want it lined as well. And we could work all that out. I could probably still work it out now if I put my mind to it. But to be honest with you, I'm not going to put my mind to it. Not at this precise moment, because I'm a bit excited about the fact that Ant and Deck have got their tenth gong. Then you have to ask the question, who else? That's all we seem to have at the moment. Uh, Go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and check out A Day in the Life of LBC. 
It starts in the morning with me trying to look as awake as possible. And then by the end of the programme, looking really not as awake as possible. But everybody's in there, from, uh, from Nick to Petri to Clive to Anthony. And there's behind the scenes up in the, uh, the sales uh, department, everything. So go and check it out, lbc.co.uk. Tomorrow, some uh, interesting information regarding uh, an event happening on the 26th of February. And uh, if you check out the blog... And check out all the other bits and pieces. Hopefully it'll put a smile on your face later on today, because it's blooming cold out there. Nick and the team with you after seven. Miranda Green is looking at the papers today. And uh, Vince Cable will be talking about the Employers' Charter on Resolving Workplace Disputes. Have a nice day. I'm back with you tomorrow morning at five. Nick and the team at seven. First of all, the business update with Sam Pittis.